great to be back on Search the Scriptures again today with all of our listeners. We're so thankful to have this opportunity each day to do exactly that. Be with you as we open up God's Word and study a little bit more deeply. We Here at Search the Scriptures, if you're listening for the first time, we do pray that you will quickly come to realize that what we do here is exactly what the name of the program suggests. We don't just talk about the Bible. We don't just talk about God. We study God's Word. We dig deep into the Scriptures. We peel the layers of the onion back, so to speak, as we often say, and try to get into the meat of the Word. Now, we try to help you understand what the Scriptures say because they communicate God's will for our lives. We want to help you come close to God. And the best way, the most effective way that we can do that, in fact, ultimately, we have to come to this point where we teach you God's Word. God's Word is key to the development of our faith. As we keep saying here in the program, we refer to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, where the Apostle Paul told us the formula for the development of faith, real faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So if you want to have deep and abiding faith in God and in Christ, then you need to get into God's Word because that's how faith is developed. As you come to understand it and believe it and make the proper applications to your life, that's how faith comes. That's how it develops. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So we have to get to that point where we learn God's Word sufficiently that real faith and abiding faith can develop within us. Now, as that happens, that should lead us to want to come closer to God. In fact, it should lead us to want to come to God all the way. And the way to do that is through Jesus Christ, His Son, and your Lord and Savior. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so it's only through Christ. As you come to believe in him as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and that leads you then to want to naturally repent of your sins. That is, change your life. Turn around, turn away from sin. That's repentance and then to openly confess your faith in Christ, and to surrender to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, and to come up out of that watery grave of baptism, reborn spiritually, as Jesus said must happen in John chapter 3 and verses 3 through 5, if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Apostle Paul talks about that person who has been reborn into Christ as being a new creation, spiritually. Now, we're not talking about physical attributes. If you were had freckles before, you're going to have freckles after you're, after you're baptized, after you're reborn into Christ. If your legs were a little bow-legged or if your knees were a little knobby or whatever your characteristics were physically, they're still going to be there. But inside, spiritually, you're going to be changed. You're going to be different. You're going to be made new. And you're going to be given that new start in life from the spiritual perspective. And that literally will change your whole life. 
So we want to teach you God's Word. We want to help you come to understand. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 15. The King James Version says, study. Other versions say, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or correctly handling the word of truth, God's word. We want to help you be able to do that. So we study his word here on Search the Scriptures. At the end of the program today, we will give you the information by which you can contact us. Have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready and jot down that information. You can receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. We'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a free Bible study that we send out through the regular mail. And it will teach you the basics from God's Word. How to become a Christian. How to know that you're forgiven. How to know that you're saved. And also give you instruction right from God's Word as to how to live a faithful, dedicated, committed Christian life. The study is free, and we mean free. All you have to do is ask for it, and again, we'll take care of the postage. So have that pencil or or pen and a piece of paper ready, and jot down that information at the end of the program, and then follow through and contact us. And when you receive that Bible study, work the study. Study those scriptures, read the lessons, answer the questions, and follow through. This morning, or this afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this particular program, wherever you might be as it is aired, we want to focus again on this particular study that we began a couple of programs ago, Christ-Centered Christianity. Now, as I pointed out in our last program, most people really don't read the Bible much. They just don't. That's not being mean. That's not being, uh, in a negative way, judgmental. It's just stating fact. Most people just don't read the Bible much, if at all. Oh, every once in a while, they may crack open the pages, being motivated by whatever reason. Maybe they feel a little melancholy, and so they decide, I think I'll read a little bit from the scriptures today. But once they do that, they probably put the Bible away again and and don't open those pages for a long time to come. Maybe some people might be motivated by the death of a family member or a friend. Or maybe something tragic happens in their life or something kind of monumental. Maybe they've lost a job and, and so they feel a motivation to somehow try to get close to God, and so they'll read the Bible a little bit for maybe a few days. But again, they put it back, put it away, they don't open it up anymore. That's not real Christianity. God's Word communicates to us His will. When we're talking about Christ-centered Christianity, we're talking about the difference between real, focused, dedicated, committed Christianity, and something some people call Christianity that is really misplaced and misdirected loyalty. And that is a big stumbling block to many people's spiritual lives. Again, 
a lot of people are converted primarily to a preacher. They attend some particular church and they are inspired by the message they hear from that particular preacher and his charisma, his dynamic style of presenting the message, whether or not it has much scripture in it, that really motivates them to, as they think, become a Christian or to be a part of that particular church. Some people are converted primarily to other Christians. Now, maybe they have friends, good friends, who are members of a particular church, or maybe they have family members, or maybe they have work associates, and so they gravitate toward that particular church where they know other people who, with whom they're impressed. Well, that, again, is misdirected and misplaced loyalty. Some people are converted primarily to a denomination. Their family were always members of that particular denomination, and so if it was good enough for them, it ought to be good enough for me. Again, misplaced and misdirected loyalty, misplaced and misdirected spiritual focus. We need to be converted to Christ. We need to be baptized into Christ. A preacher is not going to save us. Other people are not going to save us. A denomination is not going to save us. We can only be saved through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be converted. We need to be baptized into Christ. Jesus extended the great invitation in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is no other Savior. Now, we've been focusing upon 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this particular chapter really gives us some good instruction as to where our dedication spiritually needs to be. We looked in our last program at the first four verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And here Paul was writing to a church of the Lord. He was writing to Christians. He was writing to the church at Corinth, the Lord's church. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Now, the word carnal, as we pointed out, means fleshly or of the world, as to babes in Christ, baby Christians. He was writing this to Christians, and he says, you're not where you ought to be. I can't write to you as to spiritually mature Christians. You're still baby Christians. You're still carnal. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Well, that would be natural as someone first becomes a Christian, as we noted in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, as newborn babes in Christ, we need to desire the pure milk of the word the basics, the fundamentals. But now Peter goes on and says, that you may grow thereby. Well, Paul is rebuking the church at Corinth, those Christians, because they were not growing spiritually. They were still eating the baby food spiritually. And so they were not ready for the solid food, the deeper matters, the deeper teachings of the word of God. They were still in the milk, the very basics, the fundamentals. 
He says, even now you are still not able to take the solid food. For you are still carnal. Still, you've got that fleshly nature. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You see, there was division within the church at Corinth. And Paul says, that's not spiritual in nature. That's of the world, that kind of division. Many were following preachers. And he says, can't do that. We're going to get into that more deeply in a few moments. He says, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Or just acting like people of the world? Well, the church needs to reflect a difference of quality in life, a difference in focus, so that the world can see Christ in us and see something better than what they've been living in. They need that direction. Now, in verses 5 through 9, Paul goes on and he says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? Now, they were both ministers or preachers who had worked with the church at Corinth. Paul first and then Apollos after. He says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered. I taught the word, Apollos came after me. He continued to teach the word. But God gave the increase, Paul writes. You see, it's not the preacher who is the Savior. It's not the preacher who has the power to change lives. It is the word of God. God gave the increase. Remember what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's move on to verse 7. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. They're just the teachers. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. And that's all that preachers are. That's all that teachers are. That's all that Christians should be, fellow workers in the vineyard of the kingdom of heaven. Fellow workers working the soil, tilling the soil, planting the seed, watering the seed as we reach out with the gospel message to all of those around us. So Paul says, we are God's fellow workers you are God's field. You are God's building. So preachers and other Christians are human. And therefore they're weak and they're fallible. Because humans are weak and fallible. And we all make mistakes. Paul wrote in, in uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're human. And when we look a little further in the fourth chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on and he says in verse 1, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So preachers, teachers, and really all Christians should fit this mold as well. 
we are simply servants and stewards serving God through teaching his word, trying to help people to come to him through Christ, trying to be the Christian examples that we ought to be all the time. Now, preachers, teachers do important work, and they should be respected for that work that they do if they do it correctly and they fulfill that particular role accurately according to the scriptures. In Romans chapter 10, we begin reading with verse 14. And here Paul writes, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So there's the work of preachers and teachers to teach God's word correctly, accurately, and effectively. But God gets the glory, and the power is not in the preacher or the teacher. The power is in the word of God. That's God's word. And God chose the simple methodology of preaching or teaching to communicate his word to all mankind everywhere. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 21, Paul says, well, let's go back to verse 20. And so Paul writes, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So many people, they think they're so smart, so wise, so intellectual, that they're just too smart to believe in God. That is foolishness. Paul goes on in verse 21 and he says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, through its own wisdom, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So preaching is that methodology. When Jesus sent the apostles, and through them, all who had become his true followers, into the world to spread the gospel, he told them to preach it. He told them in Mark chapter 16 and verses 15 and 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. So preachers do important work, but again, Jesus is our Savior. As we noted earlier, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way to God. Now, not some other self-proclaimed or maybe some other largely recognized Savior or conduit to God. And there are other worldly religions that will point to certain individuals and say they're the way to God. No, no, it's through Christ. And only through Christ, through Christ alone. Peter, when he was speaking of Christ, in the early days of the church, as recorded in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, he said, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our only Savior. 
we referred to the gospel of Christ as Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 a few moments ago. Now, note something about that particular verse. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Notice how he identified the gospel message. The gospel of Christ. It is not the gospel of some preacher. It is not the gospel of some denomination. It is not the gospel of some friends or family members or work associates. It is the gospel of Christ. And if your belief is not centered upon Christ primarily, upon and if you are not moved and guided primarily by the teachings of Christ, then your loyalty, your direction spiritually is misplaced and misdirected. Now, before we close, let me read the next several verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as we move on through this particular text. Verses 10 through 15. We'll come back and look at it in more detail next time. Paul says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it, it, it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive his word, his reward. If, anyone, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved so as through fire. Now we're going to come back next time, and we're going to look at that in more detail and see how... Paul goes on and tells us that we need to be focused on Christ primarily. And the preachers and the teachers and even the congregations are aids and helps for us to come to salvation, but it is Christ who is our Savior and his gospel message that brings us to salvation, our loyalty. Our focus needs to be properly directed. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us, write down that information, and then contact us. Ask for that free Bible study. It will guide you right through the scriptures as to how to become a faithful, dedicated Christian, how to be able to have confidence that you can look forward to eternal life when this life on this earth is over. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, and in both cases, they're absolutely free, and we'll take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.